Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rickert, your host. Hey, thanks for joining me today. St. Catherine of Siena said that if you become who you are, that you would literally set the world on fire. And St. Athanasius, an early church father and the doctor of the church, said the Son of God became man so that we might become God. You know, I make a wild guess at this, but I bet you most of us are a bit disconnected from this divine life that these saints are pointing us to. Yet St. John Paul II said there's an echo of the story of this divine life that we're created for inscribed in each human heart, in your human heart. And if you put on the proper lens, if I put on the proper lens, we can get in touch with this echo within us in such a way that we have that aha moment. See, that's the genius of John, St. John Paul II's theology of the body. It connects our lived experience of life to the gospel in such a way that our life takes on a whole new meaning and helps us answer those big questions that our whole culture is so confused about today. Who am I? What's my purpose? Why were we created male and female? How do I find happiness here on earth? How do I find love that satisfies forever? Hey, glad you're with me. I'll be right back for today's episode. Deacon Gerald Marie Anthony is the spiritual director for AMOMS Peace, a mom's peace. It's an apostolate for mothers of miscarried and stillborn souls. In fact, we're going to get to this in, the, in a minute. Uh, Deacon Anthony and a doctor uh, just wrote a book on this. So it's going to be out soon. He received his BA in theology from Christendom College and his MA in theology from the Catholic Distance University. He's also earned his Theology of the Body Institute certificate, as well as Virginia Catholic Education Teaching Certification and his certifications through the Green Cross. Deacon Anthony is a prolific writer. In fact, that's how I found him in the, in the beginning. I was reading his writings before we met. His latest book is coming out in April or May about miscarriage, showing and promoting a theological as well as a personal perspective on bringing someone to know of their worth and the unity after miscarriage. He's also written for numerous magazines and newspapers. I'm not going to mention them all, uh, Deacon Anthony, because there's just too many, but Crisis Ma uh, Magazine, Homiletic and Pastoral Review, uh, Deacon Digest, Lay Witness, Our Sunday Visitor, Ethics and Medics, The Catholic Stand, and it goes on and on. He's also been on EWTN, Relevant Radio, on numerous occasions. He's been a special guest on EWTN show, The Church Universal. He's a theologian, an author, an apologist, and has taught the faith for over 20 years. He's a member of the Diocesan Multicultural Office Catechetical Team as a DRE, giving his life out what John Paul II notes is the nuptial meaning of the body through various apostolates. He teaches theology, the body, marriage prep, religious education. Deacon, you just are a busy guy. I know trying to get you on the show <laughs> that you're busy. How, say hi to everybody, will you? Hello, everybody, and, and thank you for having me. It's, it's a great joy to be with you today, Jack. So thank you. Thank you. Well, you are just up on so many topics. As I read everything that you, you write, I, every time I read something, Deacon Anthony, I always say, oh, my gosh, I got to try to get you on the show. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about the book and the doctor that you wrote this with. And, and why you wrote it. And, and then we're going to back up into a little theology of the body. Well, this book, it's called The Deacon and the Doctor, A Prescription for Navigating Child Loss. And the book, part of the reason that we felt it was important to write this was because there's a theological perspective, but then there's also the natural perspective, grace building on nature. And for myself, 
I've been having to do a lot, a lot of burials for miscarried babies Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the spiritual director at A Mom's Peace. So just being able to work with the families that have had these miscarriages, we wanted to give them hope. A lot of people, whether it was theological or whether it was even psychological, the doctor that I wrote it with, um, she's a psychologist. We wanted to be able to say, look, there is healing. You may have to kind of transform the way that you look at things, Mm. but the miscarriage doesn't have the last word. Mm. And that's where from writing this, I mean, we, we talk about different ways to acquire the peace that only Christ can give. And one of the ways specifically that we talk about is the pastoral and the theology of the body. So like with the, with the acquiring, we, we talk about, okay, these are things that we have to do, like asking the right questions as a community, um, being able to, as pastors and priests and also religious, to be able to accompany people um, through their grief, because a lot of clergy, they're not trained in it. So yeah, we not like, only that, but I think, uh, I think Deacon uh, Anthony, that sometimes we're a little weary ourselves. You know, we know that, yeah. that someone's suffering, that they've gone through that. I, I have a relative that just went through a miscarriage and, and you think, man, I want to bring this up and talk to this woman, talk to the, 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 the husband, but how do I do that? Is that part of the book too? Is, yes. Mentioning those types of things, huh? That is actually, yeah, that's, that's our introduction as well as our last chapter. And even sometimes, uh, cause some people have good intentions, um, but they may say things that you're like, Oh, ooh, you know, and even I yeah. think with mo with clergy, they always have great intentions. Um, but we have to be able to be careful when they're doing things. So we give pointers and tips about, okay, this is what you're saying, but this is how it may come off. So just, <laughs> yeah, well, well, look at, I, I realize that you're probably each situation is not exactly the same, right? There's, it's not all cookie cutter, but can you give us an example or, t- or two of something that, you know, something that we may say or something that we should be leery of when we're doing that? Yeah. So like, um, I'll, I'll give you a, a psychological example and then I'll give you a theological example. Mm. So like psychologically, especially when you have a baby that's been miscarried and they have older siblings and such like that, maybe a three or four year old, you might want to say like, okay, yeah, your little baby brother has gone, has gone to sleep with God. And that sounds nice and innocent, right? But the thing is, for a little kid, because a lot of them take it literally, they may think if they go to sleep, they're going to die. And I mean, oh, and you're like, oh, you're like, whoa, yeah. whoa, I, I never thought about that. You're not doing it to be malicious, oh, wow, yeah. but you're, but that may scare yeah. some kids. Um, and this was a, a good point that was put out by my co-author, um, Dr. Sabine, because she is a psychologist. So, I mean, she gets to see that kind of stuff, like things that we're saying innocently a kid may take it in a whole different view. How about though, how about this? So I have this relative. Would you say that I should be pretty open about bringing this up? I would, I would imagine most women would want to, at some point speak about this, but do they want to fairly quickly or is that just an individual? Well, I would say, yeah, it is. It is an individual person. God looks at us as ourselves with individual, but generally speaking, and I think you're onto something that is also a more common mistake. A lot of people want to avoid the situation because they think it's going to bring out hurt and harm. But the reality is 
that mom or that dad who has lost a child, that child is still their child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to pretend like they never existed actually can be another form of heart or trauma because they did exist and they still do exist in the eyes of God. You know, he's, but to pretend like they never existed and to never talk about it, sometimes couples might be thinking, okay, why doesn't anyone want to acknowledge that we lost a child? Yeah. Grace is yeah. always in the reality. And just because you've lost a child doesn't mean that you should snuff out the memory of that child. Mm-hmm. That's not how God works. And even uh, the theology of the body, as we get into that, they even have something to say about that. The audiences from John Paul is January 12th, 1983 to February 9th, 1983. He's speaking about the prophetism of the body, but it has a direct connection to miscarriage. As I explain it, you can see why, but just from doing, we were doing retreats. I've been doing retreats for women and families that have needed healing for miscarriage. I've buried over a hundred babies. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and you know, this year, I mean, it, it went up. I mean, sometimes I'm doing two or three burials a week. Um, for miscarriage, for miscarried babies. Yeah. For miscarriage and stillborn babies. Oh my Um, gosh. You know, let, let, let me just interject here real quick. As it reminds me, one, one of the big regrets of my life, the second child uh, that was born to to us was a miscarriage and my wife uh, almost died. Actually, she almost bled out from this thing uh, before I got it. But, but anyways, I, I was asked by the doctor to bring the baby was only probably three months, about 12 weeks. And so, but the baby was perfectly formed. And I remember having this little one in my hand and, and, and at first I almost got sick, you know, like I was like, you know, do you just see a a little one? I I saw the eyes and I could even see like a little peach fuzz, you know, and, 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 and the hands and the feet. And I almost got sick. And, And then I said a prayer and I remember just totally calming down. And then yeah. looking, and then I th- then I just held that little one in my hand, and oh. I totally calmed down. And I knew this is my child, you know, this is my child. But yeah. here's my regret. So the doctor said to bring this little one in. Look, at I wasn't in the church at that time. You know my story a little bit, Anthony. Yeah. I came back into the church uh, after a long hiatus, and and so I never had that little one baptized. I never even thought about it. And, 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 oh. and, 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 and it's probably something we should bring up because those babies, you know, you, you've been part of what you just said. So you were part of a, was it a baptism that you did too? And a burial when you say that, or, 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 or how does that work? And how should I have handled that from a Catholic perspective? Wow. Yeah. So, so a couple of things are happening there. So what happens when a baby dies, because oftentimes, especially with a miscarriage or stillbirth, one of the big things that's important is most people, because this is not talked about, they don't know what's what they should do. They, I mean, even people that are quote devout in the church right now, it's not talked about. So most people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? Can we bury the child? Can we not bury the child? Do we keep the child? I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things. And that's another reason why we wrote the book, because we're like, no, there's, there needs to be a little bit of guidance out there. But what happens is this. So if the parents would have gotten the child baptized, if the baby would have survived, 
right? The church allows for the baby to have a Christian burial. The effect, so and this is somewhat of the baptism of desire, the effects of baptism can then be applied because when you are baptizing an infant, uh, even if they are alive, it's the faith of the church that is supplied for the baby, right? So you can do the burial. Um, you can you can give them even a Christian burial, you know, if if you can, and they have rights. I actually have rights that I use. They have a blessing in the book of blessings for uh, the parents that have miscarried, and then in the order of funerals, they actually have a prayer. Sometimes, if it's if it's a mass, it's a collect, but I just do the burial service because as a deacon, I can't say a mass. Um, but they have a prayer that says for a baby who has not been baptized yet. There's actually, it's in the back of the ordal. So you can bury them. The, the grace of a water baptism can be applied through baptism of desire to that baby as long as the parents would have wanted to baptize that child. So then they're allowed to get a Christian burial. So usually with the rites, um, we'll say a prayer for the parents. Um, and then we do the Christian burial. Uh, and then we continue to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, should do, what you should do if that does happen, the first thing is say, okay, um, is there a way that I can preserve the baby? Especially it sounds like your baby was a little older. Um, so after 20 weeks, they're called stillbirths. Before twenty weeks, they're called miscarriages. So that's the that's kind of the the technical difference. Yeah, this this one was around twelve, so it would be a miscarriage. Okay, yeah. So, um, but when you when you hold that baby, just know that it's a great blessing and honor to be able to give them the burial and entrust them to the merciful hands of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do when you when you do the burial. You're entrusting them to the merciful and loving arms of our heavenly Father. Yeah. And they still remain your child. They still remain your child. I think that's 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 crucial. Yeah. Now, in a case like mine, you know, or in in you know, I'm sure there's many others like me who who didn't know, or who didn't really. I guess I just didn't think it. My wife almost bled out, and I'm thinking she's gonna, you know, she could die. Yeah. And and so so it it took me a while before I even really thought. Oh my gosh, you know, I, I didn't handle this properly. You know, I don't even know what happened to that little one's body, you know? So what can I do now? I mean, is there, are there any type of prayers that, that a person like, like me, my wife, can we, that we could say, look, we can just pray for this little one, but are there any specific uh, prayers? You mentioned a couple of, of rites or prayers. I mean, that Mm -hmm. I could go back in and say, look at this is 30 years later. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, there's a lot of time has passed here, but I think about it all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, because I mean, they, they still are your, they still are your child, you know, and this is, no, I'm, gonna, I, I'm looking forward to, to meeting that one. And I, I just don't want that little one to say, you know, you could have did this and that later on, you know, and you didn't. And, and, you know, dad, it would have been nice if you would have, whatever. Yeah. Well, one of the things, I mean, I would always say this, remember that God is outside of time. So as the mm. Psalm says, you know, one day is like a thousand, a thousand years is like one day in the eyes of the Lord, right? Yes. So 30 years is nothing in, in nothing God time, yet. right? So yes. you can start to pray for him and with him now. Yeah. 
So I recommend chaplets of divine mercies and also rosaries. But also one of the things that we do is the prayer for Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Uh, she's she's in charge of the Redemptorist Order, which is also where St. Gerard Magella, the patron saint of pregnant mothers is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it is. So we have a special devotion to Our Lady of Perpetual Help because we want uh, to ask Our Lady's intercession to help us to stay connected to our child who's in the merciful arms of God, mm-hmm. but also that he will know of our love and that we will know of his love or her love if it's a girl. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and this is something that's very beautiful, especially you can share this with your wife. This is in our, our book too. There's something, a condition is called microchimerism, which is where when the baby is conceived, their cells blast throughout the mother's body. So literally the mom carries the cells of that baby with her for the rest of her life. So in her oh body, they're connected, but also through grace, they stay connected. Our flesh and eternity meet in the mother's heart, but also in the heart of Christ. And because Christ has conquered death, that connection is bonded. And that's something that even death itself cannot take away, as Paul says in Romans. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither death, nor trial, nor tribulation. In all these things, we are conquerors. We can conquer with the love of God. And it's a beautiful connection. You know, it's it's amazing to think of that. My wife is carrying. So, so we have three. We were only supposed to have one child. So we were lucky, a long story, but we're lucky to have more than that. But mm-hmm. so this is the second one. And then we had two more uh, that were healthy after that. But but anyway, so my my wife is is carrying around those four children within her body. Then. Within her body. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you can really see that. Um, this is mind blowing. If you think about this too, when our blessed mother was carrying our Lord, this same, same thing would happen to him. And this is an insight from uh, Father Calloway and his devotion to St. Joseph. So St. Joseph, literally, even before Jesus was born, could literally adore our blessed mother. And even after he was born, because those cells from his body still existed in Mary. So there was constant adoration, even in the very body of Mary. So literally, you could think about Mary was literally a living theology of the body because in her body, the cells of God flowed through her. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. So, you know, when we're talking about we're embodied spirits, eternal spirits, and, and we're, we are really interconnected, aren't we? We're interconnected with each other. And, and so those cells of, of my wife's body, how, how about, um, would they be able to test for that, Deacon Anthony? Do you think? I mean, could you know if they did a test, could they? Because I I remember reading something about that, and 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 I I forget the context now, but they can actually tell. Look at you yeah, find your DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I would crazy. I would assume because I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you'd have to get some of the baby's DNA to to run it against, but I mean. I would, but, I would, but, but for my live children though, they're they're around. They, they could do the, They could do a test on that. I wonder if they've done that kind of stuff. Look, and I don't want to get you off tangent, uh, Deacon, but it just yeah. it, it blows my mind because because you know when you start to think, and then you think at the flip side of that, and 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 and, and uh, you may not want to go there either. But just the thought of it, because I just was praying outside an abortion clinic, 
that if a woman has an abortion, that that those that baby continues to reside within her. Then you know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a sad, but real image too, isn't it? That's where I think uh, even the people that have had abortions, that's where their healing can come. Because a lot of times there's regret after they've had the abortion and they can realize that that child, they still carry that child within them. And there can be healing saying like, okay, yes, I still have some of my son or daughter with me. And that can be an instrument of healing, um, especially because the hearts must be united in love and in grace and in mercy. Um, and to have a physical sign of that mercy. So instead of that woman thinking, I've had an abortion, uh, I'm horrible. She should say, I've had an abortion. I asked my child to forgive me. And those cells that are brought within me are a visible sign of God's mercy and how he sees me as not as my fault and failing, but as mm-hmm. someone who's loved by God. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they they can actually maybe be invigorated with hope through that. Let's go into John Paul's, because I'm very interested in this. I'm doing a series right now, and I'll just put a plug in for it. For those of of you that are interested, uh, we're actually doing all 129 of John Paul's general audiences. Uh, So every Wednesday, you can can look up these podcasts on Wednesday, and we are actually doing one by one. Now, it's going to be a while before we get to the the 1983, so I'm very (laughs) excited, really, though. To hear what you got to say about about that, so these audiences would be near the end. Yes, John yes. Paul uh, opened these up starting in 1979 to 1984. Of course, he got shot in 1981 and took some time off to travel and other things. But this this would be toward somewhere toward the end uh, of those audiences. Huh? Yes, yeah. So because um, I have the well, I know the viewers can't see this, but I I have the the newer ones, so they they actually number them. So this is audience is one hundred and four to one hundred and seven. Okay, so okay, yeah, and I mean, and it's in the context. So he had, talks about the prophetism of the body, but it's under the context of the redemption of the body, mm. and especially when it comes to miscarriage, that's important because we may think that this situation cannot be redeemed. But God says, no, my grace is powerful enough where I can even through this horrible tragedy, we can go and I can make you whole again. Mm -hmm. So when he talks about this prophetism of the body, he says it's at two levels. There's an objective level, which represents the covenant between God and his people. So it literally is a visible sign of what's going on between God and his people, Christ and the church. That's the objective sense. And then he has this subjective level, which is what he calls the language of the body. Um, It's really this response to this covenantal love. How do we live it out? So just kind of, again, always incarnational, John Paul II. He's saying, okay, here's how we're representing God. But then here's our reaction, the divine versus the human. Yeah, so so if we re- relate that all the way back to the beginnings, you have the sign say of you know uh, created in the image and likeness of God, the objective sign. But now we have a way of personally entering into, and and actually filling out that sign with personal experience. And and I think this is the power, and this is what you're going to get to, Deacon Anthony, where you know where that experience of life 
and and this great desire to love and be loved connects with the gospel in a way that you have that aha moment and it's just amazing isn't it yeah and especially when you get this and you start applying it to different aspects of life like miscarriage it can be a great source of comfort so like with the first level start with the first level we're talking about god's covenant with the people he says and this is in the 104th audience sections one through three but i'm gonna kind of paraphrase it a little bit he says the first and fundamental level the prophets present the covenant between god and israel as marriage this also helps us to understand marriage itself between husband and wife so therefore with the content of the covenant we can go much deeper and reveal a dimension incomparable more profound than that of a mere pact. In choosing Israel, God is united with his people through love and grace. He's bound with a special bond, profoundly personal. And talks about this verse from Isaiah um, 54, it says, for your maker is your husband, the Lord is his name. And like, even in that little section right there, there's so much to unpack. And like, and the first thing is he's saying, this isn't just a pact that I'm doing with you in this sign. It's not just a pact. It's not you do this for me, I'll do this for you, like an exchange of goods or services. He says at the first and primary level of our bodies being prophets of the covenant, it's not about goods being exchanged or a service that may not be able to be brought to completion. It's about the personhood, the person, because God loves us. And it's an invitation for us to love him. And this is why he, un- he emphasizes in saying, this, is, this bond is not just a pact. It's personal. It's not transactional. It's based on love and grace. And if you can start to understand that sign, when you react to it, then you can know that everything that God allows in your life is out of love. It's not out of punishment. Because sometimes, especially with miscarriage, people think, oh, I'm being punished for something Mm -hmm. or, you know, or, you know, what did I do wrong? God is saying, no, 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 no. In this sign, even in your marriage, it's based on love and truth. And that's where you get to the second level. So you got the first level because like a sign, but now how do we react to it? We have this language of the body, right? So if you know that God is doing things in love and truth and that even our actions are meant to convey this message of love, we have to realize that through our everyday actions, and he writes on the, uh, he talks about this in the 107th and 105th audience. He says, through our love, our fidelity, they construct something that is continually deepened and a bond that's indissoluble through our everyday actions, like loving our wife, even hugging each other after the miscarriage. You are forming a portrait of this love that God has with us, or you're starting to draw a distorted image of this marriage, which is meant to reflect God's love for us. So imagine, 
and I, I like to explain like this. Imagine if I wrote on the board the letters G O D I S N O W H E R E, and I wrote them with no spaces, you would have two messages that might be portrayed from that. Either God is nowhere or God is now here. Mm. They're the same letters. It's the mm. same event. But through our bodies, we convey which message do we convey even in trials? God is now here. Or do we convey God is nowhere? That's the prophetic call. That's the language of the body. Are we doing this? And that obviously involves love and truth. So, I mean, that's that's exciting. Yeah. So let's just step back again for people that are maybe digesting this for the first time, uh, Deacon Anthony. You know, covenant is is not like a contract, is it? You know, a contract would be, say, a legal, you know, some type of a legal right that we have. Uh, something that I do something for you, you do something for me, but you're talking about a covenant. Covenant, you mentioned it already, but just so people don't miss it, it's more like a marriage. You know, we're 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 very much into a you know the language of the body, the spousal language of the body, and and so God is is saying, look at, I want a covenant with you. I want something, an intimacy with you. That the best language, the best human language for that uh, of love. It's marriage. Is this bond where I give myself freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully to you? Now, when you when you talk about something like um, a miscarriage, and you think about this pain and suffering people go through, you know, it's a mystery. You know, we don't always know why pain and suffering comes into our life. But God is nowhere, or or right? God yes. is nowhere, right? All right. Or God or he's is now here. Now here, and so. You know who knows exactly why, but we know that that these these types of things can either bring us closer into an intimacy with God, with our Creator, with the, those around us, um, or it could it could split us up. And we know that in, in human relations, you know, we know when a child something happens to a child, but uh, in in a family, very often that could really lead to uh, divorce. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very yeah separation. And so the same thing. So that's that that's that experience of this sign. So so I'm just going to tie these two together and then maybe you could talk about this a little bit more. So a husband and wife, something happens to a child, gets hit by a car, say, maybe I was maybe the husband was supposed to be watching that baby and 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 a baby drowned in a pool or something. I I I you know, these things oh. happen. Mm-hmm. And so now the relationship starts to come apart. Well, the same thing happens with our relationship with God. You know, we have these things happen. We don't always know why they're going to happen, but they do happen. Um, God wants to be there with us then. He wants to intimately draw into us. You know, we're going to find out life goes very fast, doesn't it, Deacon? And we're going to find out that that we know even from the Israelites, and this will be the last point I make. I, I remember when they, you know, when they were taken over and dispersed throughout the world. And you start to think, you know, how does that happen to this people of God? You know, but but God separates people like that sometimes so that you cannot rely on anything else. You have to rely just on him because he's the only one standing when everything else has been <laughs> taken away. And isn't this your heart after a miscarriage that like everything has been ripped apart and the only one standing there is really you, maybe a couple of people very close to you. Uh, that can understand this, but even that's not enough, isn't it, Deacon? Even that's not enough. 
And that's why it's, it's so important because when you are trying to look for things to kind of keep you together, we often depend on the temporal. Mm-hmm. But the reason, and I would say even fundamentally, the reason that you want to stay close to God is because he's the only one that is eternal. His love does not disappear. It doesn't weaken. And when you can see that with someone, especially when they're experiencing the grief of miscarriage, you have this, you basically have this decision you have to make. Yes, it is sad. There is sorrow. And a lot of times people think, oh, well, if I love God, I'm not supposed to be sad. But no, sorrow is a natural emotion when you're encountering evil, right? Mm -hmm. So, You have two types of sorrow, though. You have either what's called an oppressive sorrow, or you can have a spiritual sorrow. Now, the oppressive sorrow, kind of what you were just touching on, this is when something sad or bad happens to you, and instead of actually bringing you closer to God, it takes you away from him. The spiritual sorrow is, yes, something bad has happened, but it draws you closer to him. As a priest friend of mine once said, You have to remember, God doesn't want to break your back. He just wants to bend your knees. Mm -hmm. And the reason that you bend your knee, just like, say, for example, another time when you bend your knee, when you're proposing, sometimes the act of bending the knee can be that communication of love with our bodies. God can sometimes allow things that are tough to happen, not because he's like a masochist and he just wants to punish us. We can see that even in Jesus' example with the agony in the garden. He was sweating blood. He was sorrowful. He was having mental, physical anguish. Now, did he do anything wrong? No, he didn't. That sorrow did not separate him from God. He prayed, but not my will, thy will be done. And in that sense, the sorrow actually brought the love closer together. So that sign through Jesus and his crucifixion actually showed the sorrow actually strengthened the covenant. That's how John Paul II's Theology of the Body, he talks about this, where he says, he's talking about being people of the call. Um, And the reason that he says, he calls them people of the call, he says, yes, there is the man of concupiscence, the man of the fallen nature, but also at the same time, he's called to be the man of redemption. They're both happening at the same time, but our call, the one that we're going to pick up has to actually be the one where we allow for ourselves and this situation to be redeemed by the love and grace of Christ. Um, And he, in this one, he actually, this is the February 9th one. He says, In light of the whole gospel and the new covenant, concupiscence does not destroy the capacity to reread in truth the language of the body and to reread it continually in an ever more mature and fuller way. Our maturity can come through our suffering and our sorrow. Yeah, and it's only it's it's only sometimes, not only, but but most of the time, I think that that suffering, that tragedy, 
is where we just, you know, that heart of Jesus that's been hit with the lance, that's what happens to our hearts. And I think that's the time where you get down on your knees, like you said, Deacon Anthony, and, and that's the time your bleeding heart men, you know, melds and, and is permeated by his bleeding heart. And, and this, there's, there's not an intimacy, there's not a closeness that you're going to find any more than in that sorrow of just bleeding yourself out with, with, with his blood. And, and that brought new life in that, you know, his, 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 uh, his water and, and, and blood actually brought new life and it will bring new life to us, you know, this, this turning into Christ and, and there's, there's something deep and profound in that, isn't there? Yeah, there's. Just like, again, from the prophet Isaiah, referring to Christ says, by his stripes, we are healed. Mm. And I mean, and this is where I think especially applying this to miscarriage now specifically, yes, this can be something that's very, very important for the parents to realize. Just like they were talking about that first image where it was like the, uh, the prophetic image of our lives symbolizing our marriages, symbolizing the covenant between God and man. If you think about this, our blessed mother actually embodies and can be a great sense of hope, this lady of perpetual help for those who have miscarried, especially the mothers. So you think about this, they had a, an article that was in homiletics and pastoral review, and it was basically saying that from all the sorrows they basically will force an end with a restoration of joy. Now, how does this happen? We look at our blessed mother, right? Jesus was her child, right? But as she's also, she's mother of the church. As she's birthing the church, Jesus is getting whipped. He's getting dismembered. And eventually he dies. So she literally is holding her child in her arms, the womb and the birthing canal of the church ended in sorrow. The miscarriage is almost like a, a visible reminder of that, but the sorrow does not have the last word. Mary holds Jesus in her arms, her child in her arms. Why? So that the joy of redemption can be fulfilled throughout the whole world. We're allowed to be saved. And through that, through that sacrifice, that subjective um, love where Mary's heart was pierced, the joy of salvation came about. And also at the foot of the cross, and this is also important, Mary stood there at the foot of the cross and she looked there and she said, there's my son hanging from the cross. What can I do? I can either have this take me away from God, or I can unite myself more fully to him. Mm. And when Jesus looks down and says, woman, behold your, your son, son, behold your mother. He emphasizes that this is not something that will separate our bond. It's something that will strengthen it even more. And when she watched that lance pierce through her son's heart, that stopped heartbeat, the church was born. So you can see Mary, she's actually, she's being offered. She's offering everything to the heavenly father. 
She's being faithful to the covenantal bond, which was founded in truth and love. And Mary shows through her labor pains, the labor pains of her paschal mystery, that miscarriage is not the end of the story. Yes, there still is sorrow, but God is still faithful. He allows, but doesn't cause, so that can bring about the healing and the restoration of the whole human race. Our miscarriage would say in a mysterious way. That's some powerful stuff there. I think we have to digest that a little bit in a couple of different ways for people, you know, because you're walking into a re- the reality of a mystery that that unless you walk into it, I don't think you'll fully be able to comprehend it. Mm-hmm. But I, I know this from look when my my brother died. My brother was the fourth one down out of five of us. He died, and you think, well. That's not a good thing, you know. Um, yeah. And my my mom and dad are both still alive, and still she'll t- either one of them will tear up. And this was in 1995 he died, right? So this was not oh. yesterday. Still today they'll tear up, and they talk. They and my mom especially will 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 bring him up. Well, here here's the thing: he died of AIDS, and you think you know he was living a uh, a homosexual lifestyle. Uh, dies of AIDS, was abused actually in the church. But here, here's my point Aww. to get to your point and to make a link here. You think, okay, well, I wish none of that happened. I wish he wasn't abused in the church when they got into this lifestyle, whatever. But in, on his deathbed, right, he, it reminded me when you were talking about the cross. And see, we experience these things in real time. And on his deathbed, he opened up, came out of a coma and brings, uh, asked us to pray. He said, let us pray. Let's pray to God. And in oh, that wow. prayer, he opened up. He opened up this path that you're talking about with Mary. He opened up this path. I went right to our Blessed Mother, was led right back into the church after a 22 year hiatus, and wow. and and so so, and then from me came you know my immediate family and other people around me, and then it turned into an apostolate and all of the stuff from sorrow and from pain, and you think. I wish that would have never happened. Well, if that didn't happen, a lot of us would not have been saved. Now, how this works in each individual life and each individual death and each individual tragedy is becomes very individualistic because God doesn't come and woo us and and come up close to us in the same way because because he wants this intimacy with us like a marriage. Well, marriage isn't isn't a, you know, isn't a bunch of us getting married all at once. You know, God actually comes up to Deacon Anthony and Jack and anybody listening to this and and while he wants to bring us into this body, into this into this bride, he's going to come to you individually. And and, he, and here's the thing: he will come to you in your pain and suffering. He will come to you when your heart gets pierced. The only way you'll really understand this is to open up that pain. So in, don't don't try to bury it. To our, our earlier point here: if you do and start to suppress it, this wound will just will never will never even begin to heal. It's not. Deacon Anthony said this. It's not about taking the the, the memory away. It's 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 about opening that up and, and feeling this intimacy with with your unborn and and the the miscarried baby the stillborn uh, baby and, and God and your heart all at once. It's, a, it, it's nuts what happens. Don't indulge it either. And by indulging, I mean, you know, you start to reach for the painkillers and you start to, to do things to avoid uh, uh, thinking about it in, anymore, deadening the pain, numbing it, right? Yes, so this yes. is the third way 
is what Mary did at the foot of the cross, uh, Deacon Anthony. And maybe you could talk about that, that actual healing, because I know you talk about healing a lot, where I start to open yes. myself up and, 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 and t- talk a little bit, because people that are listening to this, they bring them into this healing so that they know what to do and how to do it, will you? Yes. And that is the crucial part, because a lot of times we stop at the suffering, right? And Fulton Sheen would always say this. He says, suffering is pain without love sacrifice is pain with love. Mm. What Christ is doing for the healing to take place is he's transforming pain into sacrifice and sacrifice unites us to the heart of Christ so we can be restored, so we can Mm. be healed. And this is where, so a couple of things to do for the healing. First, when we say hearing, we have to remember that Healing does not mean, as you were just saying, and I want to emphasize it again, that we just pretend like the miscarriage never happened. In that covenantal sign, even from the first part, Mary and our Heavenly Father didn't do that. Mary, when she buried her child at the tomb, Jesus, our Lord, she didn't say, forget him. She didn't say to the people, don't talk about him or don't preach his truth. Don't tell his gospel. Let's pretend like he never was there. No, because then the church would not have been born and it wouldn't have flourished. Mm. God, the father, even through the prophet Isaiah says this, and these are so, these words are so warm. It says, can a mother forget her infant? Be without tenderness for the child of her womb. Even should she forget, I will not forget you. Mm. Mary and the heavenly father say, no, no, no. This is not about forgetting in order to be healed. Actually, sometimes you may have to, you may have to take a step back just so you can get some courage to be able to have the memory, um, just from a psychological standpoint. But forgetting that it happened is not the answer. It's remembering. This gives us this proper hermeneutic, as John Paul II says, the proper lens to be able to see our suffering. And also we have to remember that being healed does not mean that we're just ignoring and hoping that bad things or we'll never be sad again. That's not what healing is. Healing is actually uniting your suffering to the Lord and choosing to embrace the good, which is the definition of joy, which God can draw out from the tragedy. And that's what, honestly, our book is about, being able to help you to acquire the tools to obtain wholeness. God wants all of you because that's what marriage demands, all of you. He wants to show you specifically that I'm going to love you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will honor you and love you all the days of your life. You and your child that you've lost, I will honor them because I'm with you in this. Don't allow this to separate yourself from me. Know that I want to be there with you in this pain, because that's how much I love you. That's where the healing takes place, intellectually, spiritually, um, medically, through the family, through the group support, um, and even being engaged actively in that healing. That's what's in the book. That's what we call a choir. Um, mm, so that's beautiful. why we use that acronym. So. Yeah, so so let's mention the book one uh, again and tell us, uh, Deacon Anthony, when when is that going to be uh, ready uh, for 
for purchase and give us a few of the details. We'll put we'll, we'll put that in the show notes, of course, so people will know. Uh, but give us a little specifics on that. We and 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 uh, and anything else you could think of on on uh, on, on that to kind of, yeah on the healing and kind of we'll close out with that as we start to wind up here. Okay, so the name of the book again is called "The Deacon and the Doctor: A Prescription for Navigating Child Loss," and it's by me, Deacon Gerard Marie Anthony, and also Dr. Sabine Heisman. Um, it's put out by Enroute Press Books and Media. And um, the whole gist of the book, kind of in a nutshell, again, is to help with the various aspects of healing. I like to use this example. If someone were to break their arm, you wouldn't go and say, okay, well, you need to go talk to a psychologist, right? Or you wouldn't throw holy water on it. You would need to put a cast on it. It's the same thing with the various aspects of healing in life. We need both the religious aspects of it because we actually are made for God. Um, but we also need some of the retrain our brains to how to bring that into our narrative so that we can heal and we can think properly and react properly. Um, but we do that with faith. We also, um, because they have trauma and different things that happen to your body, you also need to know what's going on with your body. So we look at all these different things mm. to unlock healing and wholeness for your entire person, because you know, in married love, you can't hold anything back because love is free, total, faithful, and fruitful. And when you start healing on every aspect, except for this one little bit, eventually that crack starts coming and you get injured, but God wants to make us whole. He wants to love us completely. You have to walk into this story and just open wide, don't you? You know, exactly. we, we, you know, we, we, our bodies really do express love and really do express uh, God's in, in the created world. And, and God, you know, I, it always takes me back to the beginning, right? Jesus took us back to the beginning and in the beginning before sin, you have to picture this, that we were walking in the Malu, huh? this ambit of God's love, this total intimacy uh, with God. And we forget that, you know, there was that naked without shame because there was no sin in the world. And I think that's when we get hurt. We have to just totally open up. We have to get on our knees, let the anger out. I mean, our blessed mother was, I'm sure she was angry about this, you know, uh, you know, when, when, when Christ is getting scourged and when the crown of thorns, when, when people are spitting on him, I mean, this is an anger thing. And, and the saints and the mystics talk about this is, this is anger was given to us. I mean, there's something wrong with this. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. unjust, but yes. at the end of the day, if we let that anger and the sorrow and these pains of, say, a miscarriage and, and stillbirth, if we let that anger fester, then 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 it 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 will take our hearts down, won't it? It's going to our hearts are going to just get this raw. Uh, they they won't heal and they won't open and they won't bring us this intimacy. Something good is going to happen because of this. Something good in your life. You, something. I, I, it's going to be individual. But Deacon Anthony, you know this, and I know this from our pain and suffering in our life. Something good has come out of this. Even when I'm mad, I'm mad. God, why do you, you know, look at Jesus said that. You, you mentioned that the, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, Jesus said, take this away from me if, you, you know, but then your will be done. So he was human. He was very human when he said that, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, yes. if this chalice can be taken from me, take it. I don't yes. want this. And isn't that our first reaction? But yes. at the end of the day, if he would have stayed there, 
you know, salvation would not have come to us. And the same thing happens with each of us. And the healing. And I mean, and that's the aspect, I think you've hit on something that's very beautiful. And it's one of John Paul's last words in his audience. He says, um, there's an invitation to the call, but he wants us all to know that we are not just accused, but we are called to be healed. And that's the thing. So it's very easy to accuse God of saying, okay, why did you do this to me? You're bad. You're, you're, you know, what's wrong with you? And we think God is accusing us saying, okay, well, you're just going to stay in your anger or your, your frustrations. But God says, no, 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 no. I want to heal you from all of that. If you just let me, like you're saying, open up completely to me, allow me to heal you. And that's where with the theology of the body, we realize that our bodies, by opening up our minds, body, and soul, when we open it up to God, the theology, only when we unite them do we become healed. Mm-hmm. We don't need to try to do it ourselves. God yeah. wants to and needs to be there with us. Yeah. And the image, as you're saying that, Deacon Anthony, I mean, the image that John Paul, you know, he, 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 he talked about this in some of his encyclicals. You know, when a mass comes, and I'll leave with this because, you know, when you walk into a mass and you've got these hurts and these sorrows, when the, when the, when the, uh, you know, when the priest really is, when the epiclesis, you know, when, when he calls upon yeah. the Holy Spirit to come into, in, into the body and blood of, of Christ himself, you know, we're called to, to take Jesus as, you know, he is this royal, has this royal priesthood, but we're given a portion of that because we're united to Christ. And he wants us to take everything around us and our sphere and offer that up at the altar at the same time. So while Jesus' sacrifice is happening on the altar, all of us with our broken hearts and our miscarriages and our stillbirths, we offer all of that up with Jesus and unite it to him in the Eucharist. He, He gives us this. And we unite himself, and then he takes it to the Father. And when he takes it to the Father, he doesn't leave us alone. He sent when he goes to the Father, ascends to the Father. He he said the Holy Spirit takes what is mine and declares it to you, and comes yes. and resides within us. When we're in our pain and suffering, and just just concentrate on the Holy Spirit in your heart. God is really with us, like not not just a, a figment of our imagination. He's really with us. He, you you. The warmth, I, I remember just the warmth and the feeling of, of, of this at times in my life where you really know this, this healing. And, and, yeah. and there's, there's something warm that happens. And, and I'm not the only one. I've talked to many, many people where you can actually encounter God and, and, and he will give you signs. I, I don't know how that's going to happen in your life, but it, it's going to happen. And it's important to be aware of those. I mean, when you can really know that God is with you, it doesn't make the pain disappear, but it does make it so that you can know I can keep going. It doesn't consume you. It helps you to actually have life and eventually you will be healed. So, I mean, I think that's a beautiful imagery. Yeah. Beautiful imagery. Let's kind of end up here. Can you, can you bring us home with a prayer and, and, and Deacon Anthony, can you extend that prayer out to everybody that's listening? That's, that's, that's suffered with, or knows people that suffer with miscarriages and stillbirths uh, yes. and, and those types of pains. Huh? Yes, I will. So let us pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Mother Mary, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, you who stood by the cross of Christ, 
help us to be like you and see the crosses that we have in our lives, especially the pain that we've had through miscarriages, or for people that we know who have had miscarriages or stillbirths. May they be able to see that God continues to be faithful to them, even in the times of sadness and of miscarriage. We ask for blessings upon all their babies and help us always to remember that our little ones are in our hearts and in your heart, O Lord. And because they are in your heart, we always can find hope. We ask you to heal us, dear Lord, to make us whole. And we ask for you to bless and help anyone who wishes to help us so that we may know of your love through them and that we may be instruments of your love as well. Bring us the peace that only you can give us. And may you, O Lord, be our comfort, our strength, and thank you for being the spouse of our souls. Help us to be a sign of your love to the world. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Deacon Anthony, you're such a joy, brother. Thanks for your friendship. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to be here. Thanks for writing this book. And and uh, you know, when it comes out, let let us know. Uh, we're going to get it in the newsletter. Thank God you. God bless sir. you too. And thank All you. Right. And God bless everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.